Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slam and Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. I've got my co-host, Alex Spears, with me. Alex, the NBA is back, totally back. We got regular season basketball. We've already seen really some spectacular stuff this week. That Nick Celtics game was just outrageous. But Alex, what were you watching this week? It is good to be back, Andrew, and... Uh this time of year, it makes me feel so thankful to live on the West Coast, where the games oh, are boy. over by 11. Oh, what a joy, Andrew, it is. You're rubbing that in my face with my yep, central yep, time yep. zone over here? <laughs> Just starting <laughs> off the show with that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, most teams have only played one game. I think the Bucks and the Warriors, we're recording this on a Friday, Bucks and Warriors are the only teams that played two games. So you don't want to overreact, of course. So... I thought we'd look at some process things. So the, these are my top five most interesting rotation decisions of week one. That in and of itself, how exciting is that? Rotation decisions. Where do I come up with this? Uh, no, but some of these things are pretty interesting. And again, I'm, I'm going to try to not c- and care too much about the results of these decisions, more just the process that went into it, because these coaches have had all offseason to come up with their best foot forward. You know, what are we going to throw out there game one? And eventually they have to show us, and they showed us, and I have some I have some questions about a few of them. And by the way, some are good, some are bad, Andrew. Okay, let's Start, hear it. Starting off, honorable mention. Honorable mention. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers, their small ball. Now, this, this is a good one because, and I, I didn't include it in the official top five because we've already seen this. We saw them do it in the playoffs. But I just wanted to shout them out because I just think their small ball lineups are some of the most fun lineups in the league. Like that game yeah. against the Warriors, which they lost, they were running pick and rolls with like Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard. And then it was Paul mm-hmm. George and Terrence Mann. And then it was Paul George and Eric Bledsoe. Like just insane combinations that are just so much fun and so different from what we normally see. And, uh, you know, we are fans of the Oklahoma City Thunder who have their unprotected pick this year. I'm feeling worse after that game just because I think Ty <laughs> Lue is such a good coach and he's going to keep them in so many games this season with how inventive he is. Yeah, without a doubt. He he is super good. And they've got some good players, too. I they mean, do, there's, absolutely. If, as long as Paul George is healthy, you got to feel like you're getting the 19th pick. Yeah, running, running those small, small pick and rolls – 
works when you have like really strong guards like Eric Bledsoe yeah. or Terrence Mann. Okay, but that's just honorable mention because it, it wasn't that surprising. We, we'd already seen it. Number five, and this is from least interesting to most interesting, the Lakers starting DeAndre Jordan as their starting center. Now, this has been talked a lot about already, and that's why I'm including yeah. it at number five. There's an obvious reason for it, which is that they have so many injuries on the wing. You know, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington. We just found out on Thursday that Kendrick Nunn is now out for two to three weeks with a bone bruise. We thought it was just an he turned his ankle. Tail and Horton Tucker is still out. Even though I understand why they might have had to have gone big because of all those injuries on the wing, it was still kind of shocking to see DeAndre Jordan as a starting center in 2021 after the last few yeah. seasons he's had. And so I, I, they could easily change it at any moment. You know, it was just funny coming off that preseason where Lakers fans were getting so excited because there were these rumors like, oh, wait, he's going to play so much center, which he did in that first game. But then to come out, come out of the gates with DeAndre Jordan as starting center. <laughs> I, I have some questions about the process there. That's all. Yeah. You just look at the age across the board, especially with the lineups they had to play with, like without THT there. And it's yeah. just like, oh, boy, like it. You know, seeing it on paper is one thing. Like seeing it on the court is like is another thing. And still, you have LeBron and AD, and they can erase almost any mistake that you make with your roster. Almost any of them. That's the thing. Like the majority of teams that are going to be playing night tonight, like it really doesn't matter. Like they, yeah, throw out DeAndre Jordan. That starting lineup will still probably be a net positive. Like he's not going yeah. to drag them down that much. But yeah. it was still interesting. But number five, number four. The Memphis Grizzlies rotation. Now, we had seen or we had heard in the preseason, also seen the preseason, that their rotations were going to be changing, but we weren't for sure that it was going to happen until we saw them in game one. And a few things happened that I was very interested in. One, finally, DeAnthony Melton, who we have brought up on this pod entirely too much, probably, I would say. (laughs) Every chance we get, we bring him up, (laughs) partly because of Keith Parrish. He was starting alongside Desmond Bain. They moved Kyle Anderson to the bench. Now, the caveat to all this is that Dylan Brooks is still out with a broken left hand. He's eventually going to come back and they'll reintegrate him. But I just thought that alone was very interesting, that starting unit. And then playing Zaire Williams, and not just like some charity minutes at at the end of a blowout or something. Like He got 17 minutes in game one of his rookie season. A player a lot of... A lot of pundits would have thought it was going to take him a little while based on how he looked in Stanford. And for Taylor Jenkins to come out and immediately play him, that just made me feel really good because that trade that they made in the summer felt questionable because of the player they took based on how everyone was talking about Zaire Williams. Sure. But on the other hand, you were like, well, if they made that big of a move for him, they must be pretty confident and be ready to play him now. And the thing we talked about with Keith the last time he was on was there are so many good players on this team who is going to be left out and at least in game one it was Xavier Tillman which was interesting he got a DMP CD so their yeah. rotation just as a whole is so interesting to me again it's it's one game I fully expect that Xavier Tillman is going to be playing at some point but how Taylor Jenkins manages all of those guys some who feel like veterans at this point even though they're only like second or third year players I think is going to be so interesting going forward yeah, that's what you get for drafting so well, Memphis That's Grizzlies. what you get. <laughs> Enjoy it. Uh, number three, the Sacramento Kings rotation. A lot of things going on here. First of all, 
Luke Walton decides to remove Marvin Bagley from the rotation completely. And I would argue, because I think the knee-jerk reaction when his agent came out with that letterhead tweet saying how disappointed he was and saying, oh, this is an example of bad organizational management, I would argue that that was not an example of traditional Kang's move. I would say the Mm -hmm. Kangs of old would have played Marvin Bagley Bagley in desperate hope to like boost his trade value. I actually think it's really good that they are kind of cutting their losses in a sense. You know, maybe he'll get back into the rotation at some point, but seeing how bad he was last year and not letting him destroy them again this year, like saying it's been 15 years since we made the playoffs. We're not going to rest our hopes on Marvin Bagley finally figuring out. We're going to go forward with guys that we feel way more comfortable with. I think that was actually a really good move. The other thing is that they moved Buddy Heel to the bench, which I think is is a good move as well because it yeah. gives their bench lineups a lot more firepower than they had previously. And you also have Davion Mitchell coming off the bench as well, which I think is a better pairing with Buddy Heel because when you were playing Fox, Halliburton, Buddy Heald, you know, that was part of the reason why their defense was so poor last year. I mean, there was a point I was looking at articles from last January where they were on pace to be the worst defense in the history of the NBA. So clearly they had to do something, and I do think moving Buddy Heel to the bench is going to help with that. And then the last thing, Walton said that he wanted to have one of Fox or Hal Burton on the floor at all times, but that actually did not happen against the Blazers. He actually did give some minutes to Davion Mitchell lineups as the lead guy where he was the main mm-hmm. guard there. And I think that shows a lot of confidence in Davion Mitchell, and that gets me excited. Now, the one downer here is we didn't really see any three-guard lineup, or at least the three-guard lineup that we want to see with Fox, Halliburton, and Davion Mitchell. And you would think that if there was one team you were going to do it against, it would be the Blazers who start three small guards. But whatever. The rest of it yeah. I enjoy, and, I, and I'm interested in it. The, King, the Kings are hilarious, too, because they've got a guy on, the, on their team named Harrison Barnes, who was incredible in yes. game one. 36-9, two and two. I haven't heard his name once. I've heard a lot about this game. Haven't heard his name once. It's true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, yeah. Andrew. I feel like it's because he's always in trade rumors. Like there's always this expectation that whatever the next good Kings team is, he probably won't be on it. Yeah. But he he's there every single year, and he had he an incredible be. game. Yeah. Uh, number two. Now we're getting to some juicy ones, Andrew. The Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks offensive changes. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with the Mavericks, uh, two years ago, at the time, they had the best offense in NBA history. Best offense in NBA history. Now, last year, they were a top eight offense. If you were a new coach going to that situation, you, you might expect them to look at that and say, wow, that's a pretty good blueprint. Seems like things are going pretty well on the offensive side. But no, no, no. Nope. Not for Jason Kidd. <laughs> and on the, on the one hand, this isn't that surprising because he told us he was going to do all this. In the preseason, yeah, Jason did. Kidd said, I want to take less threes. I want to take the ball out of Luka's hands to reduce late season fatigue. And I want to empower more players to create. Which at the time, mm-hmm. we were thinking, okay, that means more post-ups for guys like Porzingis. And I even made the case, like maybe – you know, it's not the most efficient shot in the world, but maybe if it gets Porzingis to buy in more on the defensive end, maybe it's a net neutral or whatever. Again, not wanting to focus on results too much. <laughs> I will just say that everything he said they wanted to do, they did in that first game yeah. against the Atlanta Hawks. I would say the thing that surprised me 
was some of the players who were empowered to create. There were multiple post-ups for Dorian Finney-Smith, plural post-ups for Dorian Finney-Smith. They did take the ball out of Luka's hands. They did take less threes. They did take more mid-range shots. I think they shot five for 17. Don't care about results, but they did do it. And I guess I just didn't believe Jason Kidd. I didn't believe that they would actually go through with this because the offense had been so good in the past. And even if you kind of buy into some of these individual changes that Jason Kidd was going to make, like, do they actually have the personnel to do this? No, no. I don't I think mean, so. I mean, you look at this, Luca's got to have like a 30% plus usage rate, right? That's the kind of team that this, that this is. He's got a lot of play finishers on here. I mean, who are you relying on creating? Like Jalen Brunson, kind of. He uh, might Tim be number Hardaway two. Junior, yeah, kind of. Uh, but still, yeah, like Dorian Finney-Smith, play finisher. Chris Epps Porzingis, play finisher. Dwight Powell, play finisher. Max Kleber, play finisher. Like that's who you got. Reggie Bullock, you didn't bring him in to create anything. Play finisher. It was wild. I I should have just believed that he was going to do this, but I didn't. Now I've seen it, and now I'm much more interested to see how this is going to play out going forward. Yeah. And the yeah. final one, the most interesting rotation decision of week one, the Cleveland Cavaliers starting Lowry Markinen as their small forward. Now this is – I felt – this felt like a slap in the face, Andrew. I was going to say, this is your team. <laughs> because – over the last two weeks, I have I have desperately tried to make the case that you should take the over on the Cleveland Cavaliers, never once having the thought that, oh, they are going to start Lowry Markinen as their small forward. So they went into that game against Ja Morant with their perimeter defenders being Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and Lowry Markinen. And there were moments <laughs> where Lowry Markinen was guarding Ja Morant. Sure. Ja Morant being guarded by Lowry Markinen. Yep. I same old same old calves, bro. It, it, I'm so I'm so frustrated. <laughs> it didn't have to be like this. I almost think like, okay, let's say you want to do that because you feel like there yeah. needs to be more shooting or whatever. Why sure. not start Isaac Okoro with Lowry, bring Colin Sexton off the bench or something? Like, can you yeah. really let your perimeter defense be those three guys? Even though you need a Coro I, out there with those two is what you need. Yeah, because you know? like, I, listen, I love Mobley and Jared Allen, but there's only so much they can do to clean up that perimeter defense. Yeah. It's asking yeah. so much of them. And by the way, of course, on the flip side, like Evan Mobley looks great, incredible, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. excited for that. So maybe this will still come through for me, but I am, I am nervous, <laughs> and I am very interested to see how long this holds up. How long is Lowry Markinen a starting small forward in this league? Yeah, and it's even more concerning because you know that this team is, and everybody's tinkering to a degree, but there are teams that are just built to tinker for the whole season. And you, the Cavs can't afford to be that. They need to be a team that knows who they are and is going to execute at a high level because they want to make the playoffs. They want to be in the play-in conversation. Right. That lineup... That's not going to get you there. That's not how you're going to get into the play-in conversation. It's just, it's a funky lineup. It, it's kind of fun to see out on the court, but you just know that it's not going to work. You just know it. It felt like they were throwing things at the wall game one. And that yeah. was what felt so concerning. But anyways, yeah, those, are my, those are my top five uh, rotation decisions of week one to uh, keep an eye on. 
yeah, keep an eye on them. I wanted to take a look, Al, at great starts for championship hopeful teams. And everybody loves to talk about this time of year and loves to overreact. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, sh- I, I don't think we should overreact. But what does history tell us about teams that go to the finals and how they start their season? So I went back all the way to the 99-2000 season and got the, the record for each team that went to the finals uh, all the way back to then for the first 10 games. That's 44 total teams. How many of these teams, Alex, do you think were below 500 after 10 games? Out of 44, I would guess six. The answer is one. It was one what? team. Yes. Pretty much everybody gets off to a start of about seven and three is the average. The amount of wins that these teams have, teams that go to the finals in the first 10 games, is 7.4 wins. The only team that was below 500 was the 1718 Cleveland Cavaliers. Hmm. And let me read you the starting lineup of the Cavs on night one and then on night 82. <laughs> so. Night one against the Boston Celtics, which they won. They won this game. It is Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, Jay Crowder, LeBron James, Kevin Love. That's the starting lineup for the Cleveland Cavaliers night one of this season where they went four and six is what they went in their first 10. Here's the starting lineup of night 82. George Hill, Chetty Osman, Larry Nance, Jeff Green, LeBron James. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say that that opening night roster, I mean, Derrick Rose had a good year last year. Jay Crowder is still like a productive player. Like, obviously, yeah. Dwayne Wade's retired, but you hear that roster and you're like, oh, that must have been pretty good. All gone. All of them. All gone. The entire group was gone. And that team still went to the finals. Now, that is very rare. Like, everybody else has teams that you think back of and think of fondly. And really, the only common denominator there is just the fact that they have LeBron James. And like, and it just shows. Like, you go back through history, and it just doesn't matter who his teammates are. The guy finds a way to get to the NBA Finals, uh, and and he did it on a team that is it's the only team since ninety nine two thousand to have a below five hundred record the first ten games of the season. The other teams that there were two teams that went five hundred. It's the 1415 Cleveland Cavaliers, another team with LeBron James, <laughs> trying to figure things out. And so I don't know that this version, and the other team that went 500 was the 0405 Pistons. Uh, what about the, the uh, what about the first LeBron Heat team? Because I, I know they were like nine and eight or whatever after 17. Six and four to okay. start the season. Yeah. So still like right there on the cusp. So it's just really interesting to think about specifically LeBron James-led teams uh, throughout the history of just starts and like what a good start looks like. Because you have a lot of like most teams are seven and three, they're eight and two. You had very you had one team that went ten and zero. And I think no, two teams that went ten and zero. One of them was the uh, 2000-2001 Philadelphia 76ers, which I found to be pretty interesting. Uh, and then the other one was the fifteen sixteen Golden State Warriors. Yeah, um, but th- those are the only two teams that went ten and zero to start the season. But I just wanted to kind of look at this Lakers team through the lens of what has happened through history 
of the past 20 years and what has happened specifically with LeBron James-led teams is that if they don't start well, they're going to change. They're going to be different. And so you mentioned the DeAndre Jordan take. And I think that if they don't get off to a good start, if they're if, even if they're 6-4 and four to start with, like it just signals throughout the history of LeBron and these teams that things are going to be different for the Los Angeles Lakers. Because LeBron makes decisions over the summer, wipes them clean as they go along. Right, yeah. Uh, so I just thought, I thought that was interesting. And, and the fact is, if you're going to win the title, almost every team gets off to a good start that goes to win the title or at least is going to be in the NBA Finals. Like almost everybody is at least winning seven out of ten games, uh, which I just found to be pretty fascinating. Well, I'm very interested at this opening slate of games for the Lakers because uh, recording this on a Friday, they play Phoenix tonight, which that's going to be a tough game. Also, tough game, also yeah. coming off a loss, and then they they play yep. Memphis, could be a tough game. Then they have this yep. stretch where they play Spurs, Cavs, and then two games apiece against the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's like mm-hmm. built for them. So even if they got off to an zero and three start, you could totally see them ending up as like a seven and three team at the end of those ten games sure. because the schedule yep. gets so light. And you wonder if if that does happen. Is that stretch really just masking some of the problems while everyone is feeling good about the Lakers because they'll have a good record at that point? So I'm really interested to see how they handle the season beyond those games because I fully expect them to beat up on the Thunder and beat up on the Rockets and probably beat up on the Cavs, although the Cavs can actually match them with size, Andrew. (laughs) They can. They're the only other team in the league playing that big. Lowry's going to be guarding LeBron. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Well, good luck to all you championship contenders. Hope that you get off to at least a 7-3 and three start. All right, Al. Right after this quick break, we're going to talk to Harrison Wind of DNVR about the Denver Nuggets. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Broker dealer. 
All right, Andrew, it is now time for the Wheel of Fandom. If this is your first time listening to the show, each week, Andrew and I spin a digital wheel that originally had all 30 NBA team names on it. The wheel lands on a team, and for the next week, we become fans of that team. We watch the games, listen to the pods, read the blogs, and then invite on a beat writer from that team to discuss it all. This week, the wheel landed on the Denver Nuggets, who started off their season with a statement win over the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Andrew, if our team this week is the Denver Nuggets, who is our guest? We've got Harrison Wynn from DNVR. Harrison, what's up, man? Nothing, guys. Thrilled to be on. Love the podcast. And um, yeah, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So glad you could join. Uh, Our first question is that one of the storylines that came out of the preseason and showed up in game one was the Nuggets bench. There was a lineup of Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, PJ Dozier, Compazzo, and Austin Rivers that somehow managed a minus 125 net rating in only six minutes of play. Several of those players ended up being positive contributors as the game went on. But what's your current concern level for the bench, and which of those players do you think is most important for Denver's success this season? Yeah, the concern level is pretty high because... Like you mentioned, that lineup was an absolute disaster and their first stint of the regular season, like the numbers were bad. Uh, The eye test might have been even worse, but um, it's a concern, I think, because knowing Michael Malone as a coach, he's going to try to go back to that five man group uh, because he notoriously likes playing all bench lineups together. I mean, now in the second half, they mix in Will Barton with the bench. They mix in Michael Porter Jr. with the bench. And I think they'll go back to that if that group continues to struggle. Um, But it looked really bad in the preseason. It looked really bad in the first regular season game as well. And in terms of who needs to be the best player out of that group, you know, throughout training camp in the preseason, the breakout guy that everybody had pegged was P.J. Dozier. Um He's the guy, if you look at like this Nuggets roster and this Nuggets bench, as he's the guy that can really level up his game this season. He's probably the best perimeter defender on this Nuggets team. Uh, he's pretty gifted in the pick and roll as well. He's pretty, got a pretty raw game, but he's definitely a breakout candidate. Um, I, I would pick him, and then the next guy I would take is Jeff Green just because he's such a seasoned vet, and you know he's going to shoot the ball if he's open. One, one nugget that didn't make that rotation in the first game was rookie Bones Highland, who averaged 15-5-4 and four in the preseason. As someone whose Twitter bio reads, quote, watching Bones Highland play basketball for DNVR Sports, <laughs> how upsetting was this, and how long do you think it will take for Bones to crack the rotation? I was upset. I was personally offended, uh, very offended <laughs> that Michael Malone didn't play Bones Highland in game one, especially after... You talk about the bench struggles. He was maybe not even just the Nuggets' best bench player in the preseason or one of them. He was like one of the Nuggets' best overall players in the preseason. Um, So I was very upset that he didn't play. And look, I don't know if he's going to play, you know, tonight in the home opener. I don't know if he's going to play over the next couple of games um, because Michael Malone knows his team really well. Uh, he, he knows his veterans really well, and I've got a feeling, you know, he knows that if he doesn't play Bones Highland right off the bat, that's going to be okay with him. And, you know, he really wants to make him earn it. And look, at this point with the young guys, you got to trust Michael Malone. I mean, the Nuggets have developed all these young guys almost as perfectly as they could have. So 
in yeah. the end, you probably got to trust him. For uh, for non-Nuggets fans who may have not watched Bones in preseason, how would you describe his game that got you so excited? Yeah, he's like uh, Lou Williams mixed with uh, Damian Lillard mixed with a Jamal Crawford. The guy's got no fear at all. Um, he comes out of VCU, and the first like day or two of training camp, you know, you hear stories about him firing logo threes and just talking trash and not really being afraid of anyone on the roster. And that's kind of the same guy he was in the preseason. Um, he's fearless and he's got this infectious personality and energy as well. I don't know if you guys saw his reaction to Aaron Gordon's block the other night in the opener, but it was like totally meme worthy. And um, he's just like a joy to be around. He's the type of guy who can raise the energy of any room that he's in and, and like any lineup that he's on. So he's a very easy guy to root for. And I'm not surprised that the entire city of Denver has absolutely fallen in love with him. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of expectations for Michael Porter Jr. heading into this season. And as Denver's second main scoring option with Jamal Murray out in this in the in the game against the Suns, Porter Jr. had his normal efficient night, but he also had five assists, and that's something only done he's only done two other times in his career. Uh, was this a one-off performance, or do you think that this is like an early sign of growth from MPJ as a playmaker? I think it's an early sign of growth. Um, it, it's something the Nuggets have been asking from him for the last couple of years. When you're not scoring 25 points a game, what else are you going to do to affect the game? And you know, it's something he's worked on. Uh, it's something he's watched film on. And I honestly think it's just the next evolution of his game. Now, I think going forward, the Nuggets, they're going to need him to score 20-plus a game just to take the pressure off Nikola Jokic because, you know, if he's got to do what he did, you know, for most of the opener and that every single night, I've got to think he'll eventually wear down kind of like he did last year especially without Jamal Murray. So they'll need Michael Porter to score, but I just think it's the next evolution of, uh, of Michael Porter's game. What, what people miss about Michael Porter a lot is how hard of a worker he is and how just addicted to basketball and how many hours he spends in the gym. Um, so I think we're going to see some more of this going forward. I think also that a new career high in assists this year. That's not saying that much, but for him it is. <laughs> Uh, we got to ask you about Jokic. He's coming off MVP season, firmly established himself as one of the best players in the league. And the scary part is that he's still only 26 years old. What do you think is the next area of growth or development in his game as he enters his prime? Yeah, it's crazy because he's already pretty incredible at almost everything. Um, I, I mean, you can always say defense with him. And I actually thought he looked pretty good defensively in the opener against Phoenix. Uh, he, he can always you know, get a little quicker. Like, like that's the biggest area where Jokic struggles defensively. And really one of the only areas, to be honest, is just defending out on the perimeter in that spread pick and roll. And, you know, he's gotten a lot quicker over the years for sure, but he can always get better there. And the, the final piece to him is honestly his composure and just his losing his cool on the court. So what ended his season last year in game four against the Suns, uh, he just got really frustrated with the officiating and probably Denver's play, you know, too. As if he can keep his cool, like that's going to be a, a, another evolution for him because everybody's looking to him this season. There's no Jamal Murray to start out. So everybody's looking, looking at him, you know, 
to follow him and for guidance. So if he keeps his composure, that's another step for him. Yeah. So Aaron Gordon was acquired last season by the Nuggets. They've already given him his extension, kind of locking them into this group. Uh, does Gordon, as the fourth best starter, give the Nuggets a chance at a title, in your opinion? And then what other Aaron Gordon observations have you had since he's uh, come to Denver? I think so, especially if Jamal Murray's healthy. He has already been, and him and Jokic haven't even played you know that many games together, just at the end of last season and in, into the playoffs. But he's already established a really good chemistry with Nikola Jokic. And Aaron Gordon's role on the Nuggets, it's funny, it's polar opposite of what it was in Orlando. Aaron Gordon's got to be kind of the garbage man for Denver. He's kind of got to do the dirty work. And it's, it's so different than what his role has been his entire career. But the cool thing is Aaron's totally embraced it. He's totally about it. He got to a winning environment in Denver and was like, this is awesome. We're playing really important playoff games. I'm going to do whatever this team needs me to do. So he's, you know, not going to be taking as many shots as he did in Orlando going forward. Uh, he's going to be getting a lot of easy shots though. And I think Aaron Gordon can have the most efficient season of his career if he wants to, you know, if he just plays within the system and gets easy lobs and layups from, from Jokic, like he can have a great year. Uh, And then defensively, he showed a lot in the playoffs last year too. So he's already meshed and just fit in better and quicker than I thought he would. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Harrison, thank you so much for ask, or answering our questions, but it is now time to play Andrew vs. The Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head with a beat writer from the Wheel of Fandom. This week, Harrison Wind of DNVR. Harrison, how this works is I've come up with eight trivia questions all about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, you will pick a number between one and eight. That will correspond to a question. It may be easy, may be hard. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew have a chance to steal for one. We'll go back and forth until all questions have been asked and answered. So, Harrison, if you could start us off with a number between one and eight. Oh, man. All right, let's go with Bones Highlands number, number three. Question number three. (laughs) On the final day of the 1978 regular season, Nugget David Thompson scored 73 points in an attempt to win the NBA scoring title. Thompson would come up short to this player who scored 63 points on the same day. Oh, my God. 
1978. Some, <laughs> some questions will be easy. Some will be hard. This is so before my time. Ah, <laughs> uh, Kareem. Kareem, that's a good guess, but that is incorrect. Mm. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Who was the NBA scoring leader in 1978? Man, I don't know, Al. I have no idea. You Al. can't even think of a name. I can't. I can't even think of a name today. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it was actually someone featured in that uh, cool TNT ad they did, and Kevin Durant played him. It was George Gervin. George, mm, Ice Man. Ice Man. All right. All the the rest of the questions are not about old guys. Okay. <laughs> here we go. Andrew, give me Good. a number. <laughs> number one. Question number one. Who am I? I was a top 10 pick in my draft. I played for seven teams in my career, including three years in Denver. In one of those seasons, I hit 189 three-pointers, which is the second most threes in a season in Nuggets franchise history. Who am I? Is this J.R. Smith? That is incorrect. Harrison, you have a chance to steal. Any guesses? My guess was going to be J.R. Smith. Can you can you say the the prompt again? Yes, Alex? yes. So okay. I, I I was a top ten pick in the draft. Okay. I played for seven teams in my career, including three years in Denver. In one of those seasons, I hit one hundred and eighty nine three pointers, which is the second most threes in a season by a Nugget. I should I shouldn't have said J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith wasn't a top ten pick. That is correct, Andrew. But you get no points. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Chauncey Billups was not a top 10 pick or was he uh well I can't tell you that I was about to he wasn't some, uh... I'll, I'll go Chauncey Billups that is also incorrect would you believe it was Randy Foy oh, Randy Foy Randy, Randy Foy. Foy yeah weird what do you about that <laughs> Oh. That's weird. All right, we're tied 0-0. But Harrison, you can get on the board right here with this question. Let's go number seven. Question number seven. Okay. Hall of Fame coach Larry Brown was the Nuggets head coach for five seasons. Brown has been the coach for eight other NBA franchises, and we're going to try to name them all. So how this works, Harrison, you're going to give me a name of a team that Larry Brown has coached, mm -hmm. then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So start us off with a team that Larry Brown coached, other than the Nuggets. The 76ers. That is correct. Over to Andrew. Uh, Detroit. Uh, what, is, what is their team name, Andrew? The Pistons. That is correct. <laughs> Back to Harrison. He coached the Charlotte Bobcats. That is correct. Oh, nice, oh. nice, nice. Back to Andrew. Uh, he coached the Knicks. He did coach the New York Knicks. Back to Harrison. <sighs> really dicey. I will tell you, these are all – he did actually co coach a team that no longer exists. The other four that are that are possible for you, they do still exist. So these are just NBA teams. So you can always just take a guess if you don't know. I'm pretty sure he coached the Pacers. That is correct. Okay. Back to Andrew. You've gotten five out of eight. Oh, boy. Andrew, there are three left. Three teams that Larry Brown coached. Um, I'm pretty sure he was a Spurs coach at some point, too. Andrew? That is correct. Back to Harrison. Harrison, Man. there are two teams left. 
You said the one is three. now no longer a team? Uh, but I didn't include them. So oh, okay. the last two teams, they're both current. Uh, actually, well, go ahead and guess. <laughs> I can't give you any more hints. By the way you said that, I'm wondering well, if it's the Nets. No! <laughs> That's correct. Oh, no. I've given it away. Now, Andrew, you still have a chance. If you can name the final team, you've gotten seven of eight. If you can name the final team that Larry Brown coached, the Bulls. The Bulls. That's not right. That's not that's right. Not right. Andrew, it was the Los Angeles Clippers. The oh. Clippers. Harrison, you just what got. What was that? Uh, who knows? I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Harrison, you're on the board with two points. Back to Andrew. Uh, let's go number eight. Question number eight. Since Carmel Anthony was traded in the 2011 season, only four Nuggets players have averaged at least 18 points per game in a season. Name all four. You have to give me all four. When I wrote this, it didn't seem as hard, but now that I'm asking you to name four names, it seems kind of tough. But that's, you know, that's too bad. You picked the question. So you got to give me all four names. <laughs> your, your fault. And I'm not going to tell you if they're right until you give me all four names. These are Nuggets oh, players since Carmelo boy. that average at least 18 points per game in a season. Jokic. That's one name. Is one. Jamal Murray, number two. There's two names. Need two more names. Oh, man. I think Gallo. There's maybe? a third name. And what, what would you like your fourth name to be? Uh, would it be Wilson Chandler? Wilson Chandler, you had him on your fantasy team that one year in the before he, he got traded good. yeah, on the Knicks. Uh, no, that's incorrect. Okay, Harrison, you have a chance to steal for one point if you can give me the four Nuggets players since Carmelo Anthony who have averaged at least 18 points per game. Yeah, it was a guy last year, Michael Porter Jr., right? Uh, actually, I can tell you now, yes, that is one of them. You have to give me the other three. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, Daniel Gallinari. That is correct for a point. Harrison is now up 3-0. Andrew. Whiff on that one. <laughs> I mean, it was a good was guess. Over, Wilson Chandler, good guess. I uh, oh, was thinking too hard. Ty, Ty Lawson got to 17 a couple mm. times. Yeah. Uh, okay, Harrison, your turn. You're up 3 nothing. Let's go number five. Question number five. How many Nuggets have been named to an all-NBA first team? So you don't have to give me the players' names. You just have to give me the number. How many Nuggets throughout NBA history have been named to an all-NBA first team? Man, I'm going to go with three. That is incorrect, Andrew. You have a chance to steal. Chance to steal. How many Nuggets have been selected to an all-NBA first team? Four. What if you had gone down one, Andrew? Because the correct answer is two. Only David Thompson and Nikola Jokic have been selected wow. to an all-NBA first team. There was so no points there. Uh, Andrew, you still, you'll still have time to catch up. Okay, uh, number two. Question number two. This Nuggets player set the franchise record for most free throws made in a single season with 645 free throws. Is this AI? It is Allen Iverson. Oh, nice Ooh, Andrew's now on the board. Only down by one, but it is Harrison's turn. There are three questions left. Number four. Question number four. On December 16th, 2006, the Denver Nuggets played the New York Knicks in, a Mad in Madison Square Garden. With a minute 15 left in the game, a fight broke out. 
after a hard foul, eventually resulting in three Nuggets players being suspended. Name all three suspended Nuggets, and I will actually give you one point per correct answer. Carmelo Anthony. That is correct. J.R. Smith. That is correct. Hmm. Marcus Camby? That is incorrect. Oh. Andrew, you have a chance to steal a point. You can tell me who the third nugget was that was suspended for that 2006 brawl. Was it Andre Miller? It was not. It was Nene. Nene. That's a nice guy, too. Uh. Okay. This is big, Andrew. You're down five to two. Now, normally you would say, oh, I don't have a chance here. But you just so happen to save this question for last, which is the most possible points I've ever been allowed to award for a single question. And the question is this. Rocky, the Denver Nuggets mascot, is one of only seven NBA mascots to be elected into the Mascot Hall of Fame, (laughs) located in uh, Whiting, Indiana. (laughs) Uh, name the other six NBA mascots in the Mascot Hall of Fame. I will give you one point Ow. per correct answer. So you, there's a possibility you could get six points here, Andrew. You could win if you know your mascots. I mean, that's not happening. It could. Um, you have to tell me the name of the mascot and what team they represent. These are all NBA teams? That's right. He's one of seven. There's been seven. There's actually only 20 mascots in the Hall of Fame. An exclusive club. It's very exclusive. And seven of them are from uh, the NBA. Uh, I would guess Benny the Bull would be up in the Hall of Fame. Andrew, that is correct. One point is now five to three. Going through my Rolodex of mascots in my head. Zach Lowe would be killing um, this question. Um, what about like the Phoenix Suns gorilla? Is he in it? Andrew, that is correct. It is now five to four. Okay. Can you pull another mascot from your brain to tie the game up on the last question? Oh, my word. Oh, gosh. What about the Houston Rockets giant bear? Uh, You have to give me the name of the mascot. Oh, bro. (laughs) I don't know the name of the giant bear. You don't know that? Do you think the name is giant bear? It's not named giant bear. Well, there. that's what you keep Obviously, saying. Not, I know. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. Um, okay, let me let me table that one then. <laughs> Can I table that one? Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't care. Okay. Um, to tie the game, Andrew. I don't know why I tabled that. Hall one. of Fame. Like I'm not getting this. mascots. <laughs> Hall of Fame mascots. Let's just. I just don't know the names of mascots. Well, Suns Gorilla is one. What about Rocket? Rocket Bear. Rocket Bear! That is incorrect! His name is Clutch, Andrew. Mm. Clutch City. Clutch the Bear is one, of course. The Coyote. Is he one, though? Yes, he is one, but you didn't say his name, so you don't get it. Uh, The Coyote from San Antonio. Boomer from Indiana, which seems... I I think something's going on there because this Hall of Fame is located in Indiana, and I've never heard of the Indiana mascot before now. The fact that he got elected in... Seems like something fishy. Yeah, it's like. suspicious for I can sure. What it looks like. And then the Jazz Bear, which I didn't know his name was Jazz Bear, but from Utah. So that means that Harrison is our winner by a final score of five to four. Wow, what a game! Wow, wow. Nuggets fan, Nuggets fans are gonna drag me for not knowing some of the Nuggets questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Harrison, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Be sure to follow everything at DNVR. Harrison, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. What a game, Andrew. But now it's time to spin the wheel of fandom once again. We have gotten all the way down to five teams left on the board. We have the Pacers, the Hornets, the Blazers, the Raptors, and the Spurs. Who will it be, Andrew? Let's spin that wheel. Next week, Andrew and I will become fans of... The San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) No, okay. We'll get them out of the way. Andrew. Get these Spurs out of here. Hey, there's a lot of fun there. Keldon Johnson. Maybe they'll trade for Ben Simmons next week. Wouldn't that be something? Hey. Oh, that would that would be that would be amazing. Let's make that happen, San Antonio. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Saturday Slam and Jam. We really appreciate it. Leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it on the show. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the basketball, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.